0: The past, the present, the future. This is Friday Night's Fright. What the planet is listening to. Hello and welcome to Friday Night Fright. I'm your host Ian Austin as always we fry on the Friday muggle. Oh, I found some socks in the morning awesome. I'm recording this intro on Thursday after I finished the episode. And I have four days off now, yay! I'm so happy, I'm so tired, and I'm so worn out. This whole mess is really really battered your boy. In. <laughs> really battered your boy in. But on Blast Side, while we've horror, not only do I cover three movies in this episode, namely This Is the End, The Purge, and Gaspar Nose Climax, but also we got WrestleMania, which had two surreal horror y matches the Boneyard match between Young Daeger and AJ Styles, <laughs> and Firefly Funghouse match between Bray Wyatt and John Cena. And I'm going to talk about those in the epilogue at the end of the episode. But right now, I'm just going to say. We Fran, Fran, i Michael. And I'll be back with This Is The End review. Half-brief word from our sponsor. Hey, so I just watched This Is The End. The Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg horror movie from I don't even remember what year. Starring a who's who's cast of America's most influential... Improvisational comedians. You have Seth Rogen, you have James Franco, you have Danny McBride, you have Daryl Hill, you have Jay Barraco, you have, um, shit, who, who is this in? Craig Robinson, uh, you have Michael Serra, you have um Jason Siegel, Kevin Hart, Emma Watson's not really a comedian, Paul Rhodes's in there, Um, Michael Serra's in there. Uh, whatever his name is, Christopher Mintless Plaza or Plas Mintless or whatever the fuck his name is, is in there. So, yeah, it's a real big cast of um American improv comedians, and oh, Mindy Collins in there too. So, yeah, crazy, crazy cast. And yes, it is a horror movie, it deals with a Uh, Apocalypse and the rapture, and the fact that these Hollywood actors don't get goes heaven, and what happens afterwards because there's demons everywhere and it's all everything's going shit, and essentially it's a horror comedy, um, mostly a comedy, but there are horror horror elements to it. But it's a horror comedy about weapons. happens are forced to stay inside because you don't know what's going to happen outside. And then you're forced to go outside, but then it's bad because you shouldn't be outside. You should stay indoors 24-7, but you can't stay indoors 24-7. And it's generally a reasonably good movie. I wouldn't say it's a classic uh, per se, but it's a movie I've seen a fair bit and I quite enjoy it. I think the me, mainly thing I enjoy most is it seems to be a good balance between horror and comedy. I should add that the comedy of these actors like Seth Rogen and company is quite a bit of an acquired taste. Not to that Adam Sana level, where if you say you like an Adam movie, apparently you're committing crime against humanity in general. These guys have a bit more of a broader sense of comedy. No, you... But I mean, it depends on your particular proclivities. If you're into that sort of pseudo frat boy humour, um or pseudo outsider frat boy humour, you know, that's the way they'll make jokes about anything, they'll make quips and there's lots of improvised bits of dialogue flitting round story. If you're not into that sort of humour this movie's not for you. It's quite vulgar, it's quite fast, it's sometimes witty but sometimes really crude. And sometimes feels a bit forced. The improvisational talents of people involved are clear for all to see, but that's not necessarily what people always want from a comedy movie. Sometimes you want a really well written clever line, rather than a bit of improvisational riffing. And there are times in the movie where it does turn into funny actors through a in circle trying to make each other laugh, which isn't necessarily the most interesting thing to watch in terms of cinema. You get something like Airplane, and it seems very witty and scripted, and sometimes a bit earnestly so. But these movies can sometimes fall apart, because if the idea that improvising off isn't particularly funny, it's not going to work. An example of that is the scene... Uh, yeah. It's the thing in a movie where they're all discussing um, the creepiness of them, the guys all being there uh, and Emma Watson all being there uh, and the danger levels they're giving off. It's kind of amusing first time you see it but in later viewings it doesn't work at all and it feels really generally they're going for it feeling creepy but it doesn't feel funny creepy it just feels genuinely misguided and totally absent but then there are other parts of the movie like Danny McBride's argument I should add they're all playing themselves like Danny McBride's argument with James Franco about when is the suitable time and where's super time to masturbate in the Franco household. That seems generally funny because it does a really good job of the two actors riffing off each other, but also drives the story forward a bit because you clearly get a vibe that they don't get on at all and the tension and conflict in the scene works. What other... Parts don't necessarily work quite as well. There's a lot of Craig Robinson jokes in the movie which don't really work at all, and that's not a reflection on his talent as performer. It's more reflecting reflection on the fact that he is a funny actor rather than a particularly good improvisational comedian from my personal standpoint. And the problem is that he doesn't get... He can deliver a funny, witty line or he can play off a funny, witty line, but ask him contra... Up, stuff, and thing—it doesn't really work so well. It's quite similar to Jonah Hill in that regard. Jonah Hill's a really generally good actor, and he can improvise. But more he improvises, the more it feels a tad fake. If that makes any sense. There's a scene in Wolf of Wall Street where he does something similar. He's got a scene where it's blatantly him improvising. He's got real talent for making up dialogue, but at the same time, it. Feels like he's improvising. It doesn't flow like it's natural material per se. He's better at delivering lines of dialogue and getting performance you want from him as exemplified by a really tense scene, possibly most nastiest horror scene in the entire movie where he is violated by a devil. And it's generally well acted and during his subsequent breakdown is actually really, really, really convincing and goes showing that he's a damn fine actor. Indeed he is a damn fine actor, you know, this is a guy who gets Oscar screen for performances in Martin Scorsese movies. Like, this isn't the guy who plays the butler, you know. And that's damn true. In Wolf Wall he definitely is not played butler. The other things you have to oh, there you go. The other thing you have to look out for is the movie's emotional heart, which is basically the breakdown for the relationship between James Frank, between um, Jay Barrake and Seth Rogen, which actually is very convincing because these two are clearly friends off-screen. Indeed, everyone's movie is friends off-screen, but these two particularly seem to shine, and it's a nice way for them to interact with each other. Jay Barrake, you will obviously know from his voice work in How Drain Dragon from his... Um, movies he's written and directed, like the Goon Two, and also from his appearances in a few David Cronenberg movies here and there and robocop remake. Jay Brad is rather good actor. In fact, be honest, I'd rank him up for joining the head from this movie because he seems to be one who likes branching out the most and he delivers a really good performance in this movie i'd say a bit better than seth rogan because seth rogan's talent is almost the opposite of in this movie he's one a damn fine writer and a decent director but two he's an improv machine he makes it look effortless and convincing even when it's not he has done some great acting in movies like Job, Steve Jobs movie where he is Genuinely excellent And has an amazing couple of scenes Michael Fassbender where he shows off his acting talent And also the fact that he can Play off the theatrical aspects of the movie Quite nicely in This movie is not quite so good But he still does an admirable job James Franco is James Franco as he normally is A very strange actor And subject for one of the most awkward scenes In the movie where he admits That he had sex with a drunk or high Lindsay Lohan, who thought he was Jake Gillinghall. and apparently this happened in real life, which is uncomfortable, but, you know, that's fine. It does fit material. Obviously, that has been scumbags, so it works. And generally, the movie is quite an effective horror movie at times, too, with scenes like The Exorcism of Jonah Hill, the here, um, the aforementioned Rosemary's Baby scene where the homage scene where the demon violates Jonah here and generally a lot of tense and awkward sequences but there aren't that many of them. There's some horrifying aspects to the movie and it's a horror comedy but they feel more from a comedy standpoint than anything else. It's clear these guys wanted to make something which was a bit different a sort of bizarre American version homage to something like Shaun of the Dead where it's taking a genre in this case the post-apocalyptic demonic horror movie and it's trying to add a bit more levity to it and it does mostly succeed but the own floor isn't unlike something like Shaun for the Dead which is quite visual and quite interesting and clearly had directors thinking visually as he's writing it this doesn't quite work that way it does rely quite a bit on the actors to make jokes and wittier sides and the horror stuff can feel somewhat phoned in as a result. It doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It's a very, very, very entertaining movie with some good performances and some generally tense moments. It's just, it feels like it's a dry run for later attempts by the Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg to make some movies they wanted to make. And it is rather entertaining. I mean, you can't deny if you like these guys, you know, like this sort of genre, it's a pretty good representation of it. Just maybe next time, if they think a bit more visually rather than performance wise. But at the same time, very entertaining, very funny. And that a masturbation argument between Dan McBride and Jane Franco is a particularly good moment. A very, very funny character scene. And also special props goes to Dan McBride because he basically takes this movie and he carries it on his back. Whenever he's not on screen, the movie does falter a bit and he delivers by far the best performance. And interestingly, interestingly, intriguingly I couldn't say interestingly intriguingly Dan McBride apparently is nothing like he acts in this movie in real life which actually in one part is a relief but in the other part it shows me he's actually a really 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 good actor too so I'd probably go for three and a half out of five lists um really enjoyed it very funny very watchable and definitely something that I would probably watch again at some point a nice background movie if you will so yeah, this is the end. Very watchable. 3.5 out of 5. Very entertaining and sporadically it becomes a genuinely good horror movie. It doesn't quite stick landing, but it comes close, which is good. So yeah, this is James it is on Netflix, I think, and it's definitely or Amazon Prime one for two. Definitely worth a watch. Definitely worth a watch. Definitely. <laughs> Hello, this is Andrea your, your speaking. It's time for The Purge, The Purge, The annual Purge. Blessed be our founding fathers. Blessed be America. Time for The Purge, the review of the first Purge movie, The Purge, the movie called Purge, which seems quite apt in recent times because Purge is an evening where if you lock down your house for a certain period of time, you won't die, um, which seems prevalent to what's going on in society at the moment. So, just a bit of background, I um, am not the biggest Blumhouse fan, I like, I respect the fact that they're trying to bring horror movies back to masses, and I appreciate that some of the movies such as Us or Get Out are generally ex- excellent movies, and apparently the Invisible Man remake by Leigh label No Falls in the same category. But here's the rub, most of Blumhouse's movies are pretty shoddy, and I admit, you know, I like schlocky horror movies as much as Netsky, stuff like Friday Thing from the 80s, um, some like of the later Nightmare on the Street movies, and most Howie movies are all schlock, but the thing is, they have, like, recognisable villains, interesting villains, like, that can carry material when Teenage and stuff gets really shit, um, most... Blumhouse have movies don't. I mean, um, for example, I don't know if they did Happy Death Day, but that jumped forth from a horror movie into a comedy pretty quickly. Um, Truth or Dare was non-startled, though, that a sequel. And um, The Purge is just the same thing. The Purge essentially is a bunch of movies and TV show dealing with the idea. That if all crime's legal for one one night to one morning, is solve all problems in American society, which is not true, but movie wants to bus bust at that point. It is an interesting theory, all crime being legal, what would people do? You get to weigh up the pros and cons, the moralistic dilemmas that would entail, and the philosophical dilemmas that would entail, the, the tangles, the wrangles, you know, the moral, moral ambiguity. What would you What would you do if you could not be arrested? And the movie is, is sort of about that, except not really because they throw in a bunch of vague rules and essentially stops being a philosophical mind-spender and starts becoming a treaty on class warfare with a bit of race warfare thrown in. You know, the haves and have-nots, as they put it. And in theory, that's fine. But the problem is that the first Purge movie starts with a home invasion. And as many people have noted before me, home invasions not necessarily the best way to have a movie dealing with such a great idea or such an interesting idea because essentially this home invasion movie is not particularly good. I'm just going to start off by saying Ethan Hawke's and lean Hedley are really, really, really good at. It's generally like the most things they do. Ethan Hawke, particular, when he wants to act, is amazing. In this movie, he is not amazing. And that's strange because this movie was made on really low budget. So he didn't get paid a lot of money. And it's not a very good performance. So what gives? I have to assume he thought yeah, the idea is fascinating. It really, really is. But the execution is not particularly fascinating. It's spoilers from this point forth, but basically the crux of the movie stems from the Sandin family being people who create security for the purge, and then finding themselves victimized because their stupid idiot song lets someone in who claims he's being attacked, and a bunch of purges are like, "We're going to take this house by force unless you give him to us." And it's meant to moral dilemma of, you know, what will you do? Will you sacrifice your morals and things like that? But here's the problem. Here's the real problem. It's not a moral dilemma at all. I'm sorry, if you have kids you would push that man outside. 'Cause you mo like the entire point of morals and things like that. Morals are great and I do agree with morals and think they're very, very valid. But when you have kids it's not about you and it's not about your morals anymore. You know, if you have to save your kids, you will save your kids. You will damn yourself to save your kids. It's the old dodge of what we super do save the weird. It's like if Superman knew the only way he could save the weird flat out was to kill someone, he would probably kill that person. That's heroism is deal in that, and that sometimes you have to break through your moral trappings you know doing right thing is great and it's admirable but you know sometimes you have to appreciate that it's not always a way out of the situation to do the right do the moral thing you know it's like what are morals but no that's my fundamental problems movie that stupid song lets this guy in and no one calls him a stupid little shit an idiot who's basically doomed his entire family. And on find movie four thousand it starts with a it features a strong head scratcher and never resolves it. And it just creates more and more head scratchers Because Purgers even say if you let this guy outside, we won't attack you And I know you can think, how can you trust them? But why would you not? Like they could just break in the house any they wanted to. They're giving a choice. <laughs> And yes, I know, oh, Ian, that's horrible, why would you do such a thing, you know, rah-rah, but I mean, seriously, kids, you have kids, they're your universe, you know, you'll do anything to protect them, Memphis, on anything, you know, you'll sacrifice your own morals to protect your kids, and they might hate you for it, but they'll be alive, so, you know. But I mean, just the fundamental nature of this movie, that's where it falls down for me because it's a stupid idea. And it's the crux of the entire movie. The movie doesn't really work as a moral picture point because the universe they create is so partial. You know, take Purgis, for example. It's not just someone who's saying, you know, he's acting like a normal human being. It's a psychopath, but non interesting psychopath, just a psychopath. So there's nothing fun about it. Uh, nothing mind pondering about either i mean it's good being a really weighty character study of you know attack of questioning why kid did it kid learning to find out it's not always an easy solution that sort of thing but charlie the little brat is never brought up again that he basically has murdered his entire family and same thing for zoe and her boyfriend like a stupid boyfriend's too old for comes over to kill her dad and commit like statutory rape which is legal on this one night i guess but, you know, he's shot and he dies and then it's never an issue again. And it's like, oh, okay, you know, great. Wonderful. And uh, fundamentally, this movie has a really good idea, but doesn't redo really anything with it. And also looks terrible. And I don't mean that, I'm not trying to be an asshole about that. It just doesn't look particularly good. It's very dimly shot. I know, they, I know it's low budget, but. Christ if anything needed to be found for Jesus this because at least then it being it looking shit with you know, factoring what was going on and feel thematic. But, as it stands, the power goes out quickly, so you don 't have to justify having lots of flighting, and it it essentially turns into home invasion movie and some home invasion movies can be good, like Strangers was actually quite effective home invasion movie, despite the fact that mastering that movie is stupid mastering this movie, but fundamentally it doesn 't work because there 's not much tension um, and it 's not much tension because you don 't care what happens to these characters because It's not the actor's fault. Actors are doing best they can, but they're given nothing to work with. All the slight bits of tension, slight character stuff, is in first act, and then it's pretty much forgotten. You know, it just becomes a very, very form-like movie after that point. And, yeah, so it's a bit of a waste of Lena Headley and um, Ethan Hawke. Uh, what would i rate it probably two out of five i mean it's an okay horror movie as horror movies go but the idea is so good and the execution is so me joking that you know you've got to knock off the point for that and fundamentally it's just not particularly entertaining i know what people are going to say yeah the movies get better and they read all them and all of that but and i'm sure i'll review it at some point i've seen Perch too um, and three and I didn't particularly think they were much better to be honest so two out of five um, very apt moving this time but you know there are some things worse than getting than being on lockdown I wouldn't say Purge is worse than coronavirus but I would say that Purge might give you feelings of Explosive diarrhea, so you know what can do. Um two out of five and um I think in a second I'm gonna be viewing a movie called Climax. But well, I'm gonna be watching it now and then I'll review it for you guys later on, I guess. So I'll be back in just a sec. So Climax then, a um very, very interesting horror movie psychological dance horror movie. Uh, very trippy, very atmospheric. It's always nice to watch something which is a bit different, and this is decidedly a bit different. So I'm not yawning because it's boring, because it was anything but boring. It was a psychologically messed up movie, and after watching The Purge, which wasn't very scary or terrifying or tense, and This Is The End, which was more dealing with human than anything, else, it's nice to watch an interesting, unique, and very surreal horror movie. I think Climax got some mega press because it's quite explicit and quite um raw, for lack of a better term. And it got a lot of comments because of some of the sequences in it which are a bit more explicit, I guess you can say. But that, that doesn't really tell the whole story. This is a movie dealing in atmosphere rather than plot per se, in creating a situation and then following characters through that situation and doing something a bit different for a horror movie. I know it's called a psychological thriller, but I wouldn't go that that far. I'd say the imagery and the intensity and the, the general nature of the camera work and performances and what it's going for, i definitely classify it as a horror movie. It's something whereby anyone who's been on the night out who's had too much to drink and then's, or had in their own personal way maybe, had a bit of a reaction to narcotic or two and started to freak out in other words. I think we've all been there. I've been there in terms of alcohol. I've been there. I've freaked out. I've had um interesting experiences with things like absinthe and stroke and it messes with your head, and you start to really, really lose control, so obviously these characters in this movie do it a lot more than you normally would, because their stuff has been spiked with some major shit, and as a result, nightmarishness ensues, the gradual horror of this situation, and then the even more horror of waking up next morning, realising what you've done, and in some cases, even not knowing what you've done, but knowing you've done something. It's also quite fascinating, because it deals with the dance troupe aspect. And as such, we get not only some incredibly terrifying horror scenarios, realistic horror scenarios even, but also some incredible dancing, which is good, and some really good music, which is even better. So it's got a real cool vibe to it, you know. Uh, the director Gaspar No, i haven't really watched much of his stuff before to be honest but i mean it's definitely got a good sensitivity for horror movies i don't think he's made that many more horror movies as far as i know maybe he has i'm not sure but this is a particularly particularly good one and it's just a terrifying movie i wish i'd Doing more of a review of it, but be honest, just exceptional is the word. Really, really good movie, very recommended, and good for this current climate, you know, with all a lockdown and things like that. If you want not find a fucking terrifying, surreal masterpiece of horror movie, Ghosty Climax. It's really good, title aside, just the personification nightmare fuel seriously you get for this movie you'll be like me i was staring my eyes wide i was like i was like fuck you know but in good way like what the fuck is in wait what you really constantly up in the states more and more horrifying imagery and iconography as the thing goes along so definitely recommend it definitely recommend it It's time to a blog and some comments on the Boneyard match and Vaughtley Funkhouse match from WrestleMania It's nights one and two. I just want to say that when it comes to me, I I love horror movies and I love wrestling. So anytime wrestling can take on horror movie vibes, it's it's all good by me. You know, even if it's crap, even if it's such schlock, it's still fun to watch. And the Boneyard match between Young Taking AJ Styles was definitely fun to watch. and Z movie horror kind of way. Good production values, bizarrely serious action, I guess, in way it was shot and way it's acted. But that's made it more fun. I mean, half fun for horror movies is when you're watching them and they're doing more of a serious vibe, but it's still a bit shit. You no, know, it's earnest. It's like they're aiming for quality, but not quite hitting it. Whereas if they're aiming for parody, it's it wouldn't be quite as funny. It's that thing of pandemic two not being as mad good as pandemic because pandemic two they're trying to make something funny whereas pandemic one they were just trying to make a it moving its shitness was endearing. You know when you're trying to be funny, it's usually you not know, something you can achieve in-, in terms of low budget horror. So that match was great and good showcase, Young Taker. And hopefully it can parlay that into Young Taker versus Sting next year. I know some miserable sods online have got worked up about that. But, you know, I'm, I'm a sod and I'm miserable, but I'm not a sod. So. And Fast Life Hunghouse was equally abstract and bizarre and very lynching, which was fantastic. So if you like wrestling, like horror movies, definitely check out Boneyard Match and Fast Life Hunghouse Match. Anyway, for me, I'm going to go to sleep. I am beyond, beyond ret from this week and last few weeks, and I'm looking forward to four days off. So, you know, this is Ian Austin saying, remember, life is beautiful, and I'll catch you next week for, on Tuesday, for flash recap stuff, and next Friday for some horror stuff. So, until then, bye.